You're listening to Alumni Allowed, a new podcast by Graduate Center students for Graduate Center students. In each episode, we talk with a GC graduate about their career and the advice they would give current students. This series is sponsored by the Office of Career Planning and Professional Development at the Graduate Center. Anders Wallace, a PhD candidate in the anthropology program at the GC. In this episode, I sit down with Stacy Donahue. Stacy is professor of English at Central Oregon Community College. She earned her PhD in English at the Graduate Center in 1995. In this episode, Stacy talks about the importance of enjoying teaching and mentoring students if you're applying to teach at community college the subtle art of being adaptable to the needs of a diverse student body, and the value of getting some experience in university administration while you're in graduate school. Just a heads up in advance, Stacy and I conducted our interview remotely via Skype, and so the conversation has been edited to enhance clarity and sound quality. Can you tell me your name and what do you do for a living? My name is Stacy Donahue, and I'm professor of English at Central Oregon Community College. I've been here since 1995. Can you tell me a bit about your academic background and your journey from the GC to your current role? Sure. I earned my doctorate in 1995, and I applied for jobs that same year. That was the year I went on the job market. I had been adjuncting at Borough of Manhattan Community College for seven years during my PhD years Mm -hmm. and um, during my coursework. And I applied to many, many jobs. I'm not sure if you know this, but 1995 was pretty much one of the worst years to apply for jobs mm, yeah. with a PhD in English, um, that according to the data, the MLA shares. Uh-huh. But um, I got several interviews and I accepted this position at Central Oregon Community College, 3,000 miles away, and took the job. And I've been very happy here. Then I've had several positions besides professor of English. I've been the department chair twice, and I've been dean of humanities once. So that's an interesting uh, record also teaching and also in academic administration. Yes. Can you talk about other decisions that, you know, played into your choice? Well, I I was, as I said, working at Borough of Manhattan Community College, also a wonderful position, even as an adjunct. It was really treated nicely. And my last year there, I was a full-time temp. There might have been a chance I could have gotten a tenure-track job there. But again, it was a very competitive year that year. And Hundreds of people were applying for single positions. I think at BMCC, maybe 500 people would apply for a tenure-track position. At Central Oregon Community College, they got 200 people applying for the position I ultimately got. Um, And it's in Bend, Oregon, and not many people knew about the town then. Now it's become sort of a tourist mecca, but at the time, it was a small, tiny little town. So um, I knew that I wanted a tenure-track job. That's what I wanted. Alt-ACK was not necessarily an option at the time. People who chose not to go into academia often left the PhD program before they finished the PhD. For those of us finishing the PhD, we pretty much knew we wanted to stay in academia, especially in English. I'm not sure about other fields. but So I, I didn't envision another position. I had worked for years before entering the uh, PhD program at Um, the grad center. Mm -hmm. I'd worked in publishing. I'd worked as a paralegal. So I had other job experiences and I knew that I didn't want those jobs. I wanted something in academia. And um, having adjuncted in Borough of Manhattan Community College for seven years, 
I was pretty certain I wanted a very teaching centered academic experience and a community college specifically. So that meant that I had to apply outside of New York City if I was going to be competitive. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it, that is what helped me. You know, being able to move helped me get that position. That's something I think is really important for students to be aware of where they stand on that. Yeah. Because, you know, colleges outside of New York, they want to diversify their faculty, too. We're in Oregon. They don't want only Oregonians as their faculty. So that was effectively the diversity candidate. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And so you came into D.C. already having a breadth of experience in non-academic jobs. So you felt really confident having had that experience that academia was the way you wanted to go. I did. I wouldn't have gone for that it was an en route PhD program. I wouldn't have done that unless I was pretty confident that's what I wanted to do. What's a typical day like for you in your role? I'm in a unique position as I'm, you know, I'm a full professor now. I've been here 22 years. So, um, so my typical day might be different than a new assistant professor of English. I teach fewer courses because I have partly uh, administrative load still. So a typical day, a Monday, I teach a class a live class, a composition class. I'll have office hours. I might have several meetings related to a a Title III grant we're working on. Hmm. Um, I also teach an online literature class, so I'll spend time facilitating or grading or preparing for that class also. I do community service as part of my position at COCC, so I'm involved in the public library's community read selection committee, so I might, on a typical week, be engaged in that work. I'm on several committees at COCC because college service is again part of what we do. So I might have a shared governance work group meeting. I'm the chair of that committee, or I might be on the um, faculty forum executive committee meeting. That's our union. So I'm involved in our union work. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's pretty much a typical week. We also do peer evaluation of other faculty. So For example, last week I observed a faculty member teaching an early childhood ed children's literature course, Mm -hmm. and this week I'll meet with her to discuss my observation. Because we're a community college, we do return the favor of local taxes by serving the community. Community is, is broadly defined also, so it doesn't have to be local community. So I do a lot of work for the Modern Language Association, the MLA, Mm. which is our disciplinary organization. I'm on several MLA committees. Do you have quite a good deal of freedom in choosing which of those activities to pursue? Very much so, yes. Department chairs are, um, not everyone desires to be a department chair, for example, mm-hmm. but you know, those who do are, are kind of groomed to be department chairs at some point. We have our, at COCC, the system is that every four years, a new department chair rotates in. So in a small department like ours, we have only 12 tenure track faculty members. That means most people will ultimately be a department chair at some point, mm-hmm. um, which to me, it's a really value added thing because if everyone experiences that administrative role, even though department chair is pretty much middle management, but you, you learn a lot more about the big picture, about how the college operates. Yeah. And when you have, yeah. as in our department, many former chairs as faculty members, we all understand how the college operates, which allows us to get more of what we want because we understand how things are decided. So we know how to use the system. You've talked a bit about the differences between a two-year and a four-year colleges and and the teaching load, for example. Are there other differences that come to mind? Yeah, the teaching load 
our regular teaching load and we're on the quarter system, which is rather unique if you're from the East Coast where you're used to semesters. But our typical load is 433 for the average professor of English. However, many of us in the humanities department, and we're called the humanities department here rather than English. Um, that's another difference that may be um, seen in community colleges versus universities. But there's also many similarities between community colleges and teaching-centered colleges too. So that teaching load is one of them. The requirement that we also do advising. So this is the time of year where we meet with our advisees to help them register for the next term's courses. Mm -hmm. So many of those expectations and the expectation to you know, be engaged with student activities generally is it's not different at a community college than it is at a, a teaching-centered institution for your college. But yes, the teaching load is probably heavier than most. And I think for community colleges, we're probably a little lighter than many community colleges. Mm -hmm. There are well over a thousand community colleges in the United States, and we're all very different. That's interesting. And can you think of advice, perhaps, for a GC student on the job market who might want to evaluate whether they are a good fit for a community college? Can you think of any good self-reflective criteria they might use to think about that decision? That's a great question. Um, yes. I, well, one, getting some experience teaching at a community college is the number one way of determining whether that's the place you want to be. And being in New York City, there are so many community colleges to choose from, mm -hmm. um, and many of them are very happy to hire GC students to teach part-time. So I highly recommend that. It's a fabulous experience. Having said that, teaching any first-year course at any of the CUNY colleges is probably pretty similar, right? Mm -hmm. The difference might be the student body. The student body at a freshman composition class at Brooklyn College would probably be a little different than the student body at a freshman composition class at Borough of Manhattan Community College, just different types of students. Mm -hmm. I think community college students can be incredibly rewarding because many of them uh, really choose to be there. They're, they're there because they want an education. Mm -hmm. um, many are first-generation college students, which could also be true at Brooklyn College. I haven't taught there, but let's say, mm -hmm. I bet you there's more similarities than not, in other words. So you really want to work with students, though, if you're at a community college. You want mm -hmm. to be with students. And you have to be willing to work with the students you have rather than the students you think they should be, mm -hmm. right? So mm -hmm. it requires you to be flexible. It requires you to be excited about that challenge. And if you have that bug, you know it. You, you know it from day one. You really do. A passion for teaching. It's pretty exciting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. a very much a passion for teaching. And have you <laughs> served on a faculty search committee? What do you look for in applicants? Hey everyone, Anders here. At this point, the audio quality of my interview with Stacy cut out. I was asking Stacy what she looks for in candidates when she serves on faculty search committees. Stacy said that COCC struggles with writing job ads. They are often looking for a generalist, someone who's open to teaching a variety of courses. As a department of writing and literature, they also want someone who's experienced in teaching composition. In addition, they may also want someone who can fill some of the content areas that may be left open by individual faculty who are retiring, and preferably someone who has community college experience and experience teaching more than one course at a time. So when Stacy sits on faculty search committees, she says the applicant's cover letter is especially important. It reveals not just the candidate's experiences, but also how they've dealt with challenges. Have they ever created a new course from scratch? And how did that go? 
Are they excited about being at a community college? And have they looked at COCC specifically and seen their uniqueness as a college? What do you enjoy the most about your role now? Well, I, I admittedly enjoy having only two classes at a time this year. That's been novel. It's been exciting because I could focus much more than teaching four classes or th- even three classes. Mm-hmm. Our students change every few years. We get a different sort of population. So this year, Oregon is offering free, so-called free community college to recent high school graduates. So the makeup of our classes has skewed younger. Mm. So in the past, our average age was around 28 and now it's probably down to 26, but I'm finding in my composition class specifically, there's many more 18 year olds than there used to be. That changes the dynamic of the class and it makes it a new challenge for me. We still have students in their late twenties, thirties. There's at least one person who's probably in her 40s, and we have several veterans in the class. It's still an exciting mix of students. They all come with their own strengths and their own challenges, and they have to negotiate working together themselves. And so, especially the younger students who are kind of not used to working with older students or veterans, that's a challenge that they're working through. It's fun to see how it happens. And generally the older students and the veterans, even if the veterans are only a few years older than the right of the high school students, they're more comfortable with working with the younger students. So they set the tone and it it works out well, I have to admit. I'm excited by that. And every community college I've ever taught at has a range of students and a range of student abilities. So it's that's not unique, but the uniqueness for me is the younger students, more younger students than usual. The other thing about this free community college, uh, we call it the Oregon Promise, is that we're getting, that many of these recent high school graduates are quite strong. They're very strong students too. So students who may have normally gone straight to a university, are you know saving money by starting at the local community college mm. we've always had that i've had several of my students ultimately transfer to harvard or mit and stanford i have wow. i've had those students over the years many students who are taking classes at the community college while in high school those students mm. but these are students who graduated high school who could have easily gone straight to a university but are saying you know i think i'll start at this community college mm. save some money and then transfer. And so that's unique too. And that's pretty exciting to get these very strong students in our classes. It's nice. It's a nice change. Really interesting as a phenomenon Mm -hmm. socially, but then also for you as a teacher to figure out how to manage the class. What about the most challenging aspects or the most frustrating, if you will? The most challenging aspect is is the typical, not these recent high school graduates, but the more typical community college students are those who are working often full-time, those who have families with family commitments. Mm -hmm. And because of where we are in the rural part of Oregon, transportation issues are a big problem. Mm. Uh, We have a very pitiful public transportation system here, which is basically a van that they call a bus system that is a very rigid route and students don't live on that route. So they have to rely on unreliable vehicles. Um, Plus winter is coming, winter is here. So (laughs) (laughs) those unreliable vehicles don't drive well on ice now. Yeah. Um, so the challenge is nothing to do with skills because even students who are, have rusty skills, say these returning veterans or returning older students, their skills are rusty, but that's easily addressed. The challenge are more of these outside issues that get in the way of their learning. And so mm-hmm. 
it's a challenge to balance being flexible with students with issues outside their control, employers who are not flexible with their schedule, who demand that they come to work at a dime, you know, like because someone called in sick, right. now you have to come to work, right? They don't care that this student has a class that day, right. or, their, or transportation issues, or family issues, right? That's really outside of the student's control. So it's a challenge for me to balance giving them that flexibility, which I, I try to build into the course by allowing all students to have that flexibility, regardless of who they are, but also keeping them on track because mm. being on the quarter system, the term is 10 weeks long with the 11th week is finals. So missing a week is brutal. Yeah, It's unforgiving, actually. I remember teaching on the semester system at Borough of Manhattan Community College and a student missing a week, it's not fun, but it's not brutal. There was space to deal with that. For you, that's potentially a lot of responsibility. Are there skills that you would recommend GC students can hone for themselves that would prepare them for a career at a community college? Yes. <laughs> yes. There's several skills. I mean, this is true of any college. Assessment is big. So having some experience using Excel would be brilliant. <laughs> mm. I'm still struggling with Excel. And just understanding how data works and how data can be manipulated so that if you understand how data is collected and how it could be manipulated or misinterpreted mm -hmm. or used for effective, you know, understanding data analysis and collection, understanding assessment, that would be good training. <laughs> assessment in regards to the student's performance or departmental? Both. You're assessing student learning or students actually learning in their class. Um, and you have to go beyond the grade, right? So you have to assess what are their meeting the the student learning outcomes. Mm. You have to assess whether your department is effectively providing what it says it's providing students, right? Is the curriculum as up to date as it should be? Is the curriculum you know, transferable? Are students transferring successfully? So you have to be able to assess that. Assessment happens everywhere, trust me. <laughs> it's yeah. a big part of this job. Any change you do in your curriculum, especially if that change costs money, you want to prove that it's going to lead ultimately to a safe cost savings at some point, as well as effectiveness. Not always to a cost savings, but at least to you know student success. Being able to work with data, <laughs> knowing what to measure mm -hmm. and how to measure it. Yes. The person we hired to be this coordinator has a PhD in English from the University of Washington. Um, and the value of that, so he's a recent PhD graduate from the University of Washington and he, you know, his field is Renaissance literature. But during his graduate career, he worked on several grants at University of Washington and at several colleges. So he got, he got a lot of experience working on grant projects, mm -hmm. doing the kind of assessment work that's required for any grant project. And thus that translated into, he had the experience we desperately needed as coordinator of our Title III grant. Mm -hmm. um, and we're really happy to have him. And additionally, he has the background in teaching developmental reading and writing mm -hmm. and composition. And that background is part of what we're doing in the grant. So he's the perfect candidate. Yeah, he, he had experience working with various levels of administration at, at several colleges near Seattle. He got comfortable working with staff members in other departments like the IT, you know, instructional technology staff, working with deans and other administrators. He, you know, so he had that experience just working on grants as a graduate student so that when he got here, he just stepped right into the role. It's been wonderful. He also has a digital humanities background, uh -huh. so it's been helpful, you know, which is now big, right? And so yeah. that's been helpful because he can help us create 
these visual uh, maps of the work we're doing in ways that those of us in our department who are not so savvy yet, we're getting there, um, you know, we're just not as familiar with yet. And he could be very helpful that way. You know, so that kind of background, working on committees, even if, even if you could just be on committees at, um, if, at, even as the adjunct rep on a committee at a college you're adjuncting at or a committee at the graduate center would be fine too. That kind of work and seeing how committees operate is excellent training. That's a wrap for this episode of Alumni Allowed. I want to thank Stacy for coming on the show to share her experiences as a professor at Central Oregon Community College with our listeners. Remember to stay tuned for more episodes of Alumni Allowed, published every other week during the fall and spring semesters. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts and you'll automatically be notified when new episodes are released. Also, we'd love to hear from you. Tell us about your experience listening to Alumni Allowed by filling out our survey. Just click the Alumni Allowed link on our homepage. Also, check out our Facebook, Twitter, and career planning website at cuny.is careerplan for more updates from our office or to make appointments with our career counselors. Thanks for listening and see you next time.